630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. World Series, top of the third. Cubs batting but trailing Cleveland 2-0. Busy night in the NHL. Crosby has scored in his return from a concussion. Penguins and Panthers are 2-2, five minutes into the third. The Lightning hammering the Leafs 4-0 late in the second period. Stamkos has scored twice. He has five on the season. Taylor Hall has scored twice. He has five on the season. The Devils are up 3-1 on Arizona early in the third. Buffalo 2, Philadelphia nothing. That one is in the second period. The Wild taking it to the Bruins. 4-0 for many early in the third period. Detroit has a 4-2 edge on Carolina late in the second. Calgary going for another win. Up 3-0 on St. Louis early in the second period. Bennett, England, and Weidman are the goal scorers. Dallas with a 1-0 lead on Winnipeg late in the uh, first period. Still to come, Senators at the Canucks. The Oilers will play both those teams later on this week. Friday for Vancouver, Sunday for Ottawa. Ducks and Sharks later on as well as the Blue Jackets and the Kings. The Edmonton Oil Kings just getting underway at Rogers Place against Brandon. They have uh, just dropped the puck, so nothing to report there yet. Okay. The scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. It's 7.09. Matthew Panashik, our studio producer, on the other side of the window this evening. Matthew, old boy. I'm good, Reed. (laughs) I don't even have to finish my sentences anymore. You just know what I'm going to... Say whatever I need to say. There you go, buddy. Uh, are you? Uh, do you have any interest in the World Series? Yes, I'm watching it, of course. I'm rooting for the Cubs. I want to see that long drought get ended. But, of course, Cleveland's is 68 years. So, And, of course, Major League in that movie. I love that. That's one of my favorite sports movies is Major League. So. It's pretty good. Burn on Cleveland by Randy it's Newman. Pretty, didn't, uh, Burn didn't, on. didn't Charlie Sheen offer to throw out the first pitch? And, no. and they were like, no thanks. No, I think the fans wanted him to was throw out the was first the pitch. Fans? I thought and Sheen Charlie Sheen said no. Oh, is that what it was? Well, well, you should not have a guy. Yeah, you could find people who actually played for the team in real life, not in a movie. I didn't even see the first pitch. I wasn't paying attention to it. I'm not big into the, the, the ceremonies most of the time. I think they had Kenny Lofton or one of those players throw it out from back in the Lofton, day there. he was good. Yeah, he was great. Uh, you can text 630-630-780-496-0063. I was going to ask you something else, and I forgot. Oh, well, it'll come to me later on. Uh, just some texts I want to finish up on here. Brad says, Hey, Reed. Wanted to comment on Cassian, how impressed I've been with him so far. Don't really remember him uh, as a Sabre, but did he not come into the league with a decent offensive upside? Well, yes, he did. He was a first-round pick. Um, Brad goes on to say, I hated him when he was with the Canucks, when he hit Gagne in the face, but I think he's... Uh, That's more because of the style he plays. He's the kind of player you like on your team and not to play against. Also, you need to add to him for bouncing back from his personal issues. 
The Oilers have a history of giving guys another chance, like they did with Craig McTavish, for example. Just curious how much upside he has uh, in terms of playing a top six role. That's from Brad. Okay, good, good question. Good comments about Cassian. I still think he's better suited to play on your third or fourth line, and I think ideally he will wind up there. I wonder when Kajula comes back, and Bob and I were talking about that, probably goes to the minors, that maybe Leon moves up and plays right wing with Pouliot and Nugent Hopkins, and Cassian slides down and plays on the third or fourth line. I, I think he's better suited to that role and, and those amounts of minutes. He's also been killing some penalties, which has been important. Um, I, I don't think he has the offensive upside to play top six for an entire season. You probably have a bit of a hole in your lineup if he has to do that. But yes, credit to what he has done since becoming an Oiler. Steven said, hey, Reed, what are the chances of Brent Burns coming here this summer? Yeah, somebody called and asked about that life last night. People thinking ahead. I don't mind that. I, I do. Th- look, if you listen to the show at all, you know sometimes I, I don't like trade proposals or talking about free agent signings 10 months before free agency. But I will say that that one's not totally out of left field, given the McClellan connection and that maybe the Oilers are going to be a team on the uptick that that could be seen as a landing point for someone like Burns. So, Stephen, uh, I don't think you're coming out of Voodoo Land. Voodoo Land. I, th- I think you live in the Westlock area. I don't know what the, the Voodoo situation is like out there. Uh, Michael says, uh, as of November twenty, uh, as November third, twenty eleven, with the newly drafted Dry Nugent Hopkins, the Oilers were eight two and two, and then at the end of the season, the Oilers finished second last, drafted Yakupov first overall. I'm not trying to rain on the parade. I am loving the games this year, and I am seeing different things from this team. I'm just a realistic Oilers fan who has had my heart broken too many times. I'm just going to be very cautious in my optimism until I see where they are at the end of December. Michael, absolutely a fair point. Uh, I believe the Oilers actually got up to 9-3-2. and two. So that was an awesome start when they had Nuge. A lot of that was Javi Bulin standing on his head. And the power play was, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the stats, but the power play, I believe, was exceptional that early in the season. Now, look, to, to be totally fair, am I encouraged? Yes, here are some things that maybe worry you a little bit. They're still getting outshot, though some of that has been because they've had leads in games. I, I still think the Oilers are giving up too many shots. Um, they've had some goal scoring that probably won't continue. I don't think Tyler Pitlick is going to continue on a 40-goal pace. I don't think Mark Letestu is going to continue scoring shorthanded goals every third game. So, yes, there have been some things happening that are a little unusual and you wouldn't expect to continue. Um, so, you know, fair enough. And They're going to be challenged. They're not going to win five out of every six. I just hope they're better equipped to... Here's the, here's the thing. A, a down period for the Oilers in the last few years has been like losing seven out of nine games and then maybe winning three or four and then losing seven out of ten again. I hope the downs for this team are maybe going two, three, and one in a six-game span as opposed to one and six and you still kind of stay afloat. But fair comments, and I understand how the, how you guys of fans have been burned, and you almost feel like you don't want to have hope. I, I totally understand, and I will not tell you how to feel. I'll, I'll you know, I'll talk to you, and we can analyze things, but I, but I won't tell you how to feel. So perfectly legitimate there for Michael. Chris from Phoenix is on the line. What's the temperature today? Uh, um, actually, Tucson right now. I think it was like uh, in the 80s, or I don't, I don't even. I don't so even not that hot. Before. Fair enough. 
not not it's not it's not uh, preheat. Uh, I have a lot of uh, comments here. As far as the the last texter about uh, uh, 2010 or 11 or whatever what what year was talking 11, about, yep. where we went uh, eight nine eight two and two or nine whatever. Yeah, the power play was uh, ridiculous to start the season. If you if you recall, that was also uh, Nuge's rookie year where he where he put up 52 points and and the first like uh, 50 games that he was in or 40 games he was at a point a game I think or somewhere around there he was like he was at a ridiculous pace until he he uh, blew a tire and then crashed into the boards against Chicago if I'm not mistaken and uh, tweaked his shoulder. Uh, so I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not too worried because this is a different team than that team. Uh, that team had Happy Bruin stand on his head. This team is Cam Talbot, which Happy was uh, at the tail end of uh, of his career, and, and uh, you know Talbot's I'm thinking just uh, just starting. Uh, also, uh, we're a much bigger team, and not just bigger like Coke machine bigger. We're not uh, <laughs> JF Jock uh, big and uh, can't put the puck in the net. We're we're big with skill and quickness. Uh, a lot is, is said about uh, Milan Lucic and his skating. I think Milan skates fairly well. Uh, same thing with Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon's got some wheels. Uh, Zach Cassian, too, he's got wheels. And and our players now, when they get leaned on, they don't break. That's that's the big difference this season. We actually lean on teams. The out, the being out, out shot, that doesn't bother me. Um, I look at the a prime example. I look at the game against St. Louis. They leaned on us, and they leaned on us. And we actually pushed back. We fought back. The Oilers of the past, we would have crumbled. That 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 easily would have turned into a six-two drubbing from St. Louis because we, we wouldn't have been able to uh, to sustain the pressure that they put on us. So I, I'm not too worried. I, I think uh, with uh, my goal, my goal this year obviously is to make the playoffs. But if we don't, I actually want to see a trade deadline where we actually add a significant piece to make a push for the playoffs, as opposed to trading away players. That that's my goal, and I, I think I think we're going to be pretty good this year. I think um, we'll, we'll see where we're at uh, by next week. Uh, tomorrow's the, the the big test against Washington, yep. and then uh, a couple more games, and we'll see if we're if we're ten and if we're ten and four or whatever in the next however many games, or ten and six, or twelve and four or whatever. I'll be, I'll be happy. Well, two so of the next three. Two of the next three—I mean, two of the next three—you think the Oilers would be favored against Ottawa and Toronto, or pardon me, Vancouver and Ottawa, and then Toronto. So even three of the next four, you know. Exactly. Uh, Chris, quick question for you before I let you go. Since you live in the states, what is the level of interest in the World Series uh, in uh, in Arizona, or is it just all NFL now? Um. Well, I don't know. After after that six six debacle <laughs> or whatever that thing was, they've stopped watching football. Arizona is a very, very tough state, especially the Phoenix metro area, because they they are one of those uh, one of those it's one of those cities where it's um, it's pretty much all football, and every other sport kind of it's it's um, it's a fair weather city, which is kind of sad because uh, down here where the where the Coyotes were doing uh, those that that little run where they actually made the playoffs like two or three years in a row. It, they were still not drawing anything, so it, it, it's it's pretty much just just the uh, the football. That's the only thing that sells out, to be honest. Because a lot of the a lot of the, the people out here are uh, are not from this area. So. Right. Okay. But, uh, Interesting. Other than that, man, uh, let's go Oilers. Okay, maybe we'll talk to you after the game tomorrow, Chris. See you, man. 
That's Chris checking in, 780-496-0063. Still 2-0 Cleveland. They're now in the bottom of the third. Uh, I want to get to a couple more texts, 780-496-0063. And after the 730 News, Hamilton Tiger Cats head coach Kent Austin will be on the show. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, Corey Kluber, for the Cleveland Indians, eight strikeouts through three innings. Eight of the nine outs through strikeout. Obviously a uh, World Series record as Cleveland leads Chicago 2-0 still in the bottom of the third. You can text us at 630-630. This texter says the Oilers had a five-game winning streak Last year, this might be their five-game winning streak to start the season. I truly think everybody is getting too excited over a couple of games that they've won. They played horrible against Buffalo, who is uh, not a very good team. Uh, The Oilers' longest winning streak last year, six games in early December. Obviously, they have won five of their first six this year. You know, fair enough. Maybe it's going to be the best point of the season, but I I still think it's good to get some points in the bank and start to believe in, in what you're doing and that things will work. Uh, I picked the Oilers to miss the playoffs with 38 wins before the season. If they can win 41, they probably get in. So just all you, I mean, you'll be looking at the standings, obviously, but big picture, just always ask yourself, have the Oilers won half or more of the games they have played? If they stay at that pace, then that's pretty good, and they might get in. We have Ron on the line. Hey, Ron. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. <laughs> You know, I think one thing people are overlooking is the fact that um, uh, we have had a pretty pretty good coach in the last year, and he's in his second year with his whole coaching team, and that definitely gives some stability on this team uh, as a result of them going through coaches for year after year after year. So I think we have to give uh, some credit as there as well as the, some of the players, but I think there will be some stability that will make them uh, do reasonably well this year. Yeah, well, and I, I mentioned earlier with with Bob, I think some the light bulb has come on for some players that if you just commit and do what the coach is telling you, it think, things start to work. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. And we have Steve online too. Hey, Steve. Hey, Reed, how are you? Doing great. Listen, I just wanted to call and say, uh, try and inject a little bit of optimism. I'm finding it a bit surprising how many people are texting in with their negative analysis. I've been suffering for a decade with the Oilers and um, I'm just enjoying uh, a few wins you know like I think everybody's just a little too intense with their hockey analysis <laughs> let's try and have some fun with the game I mean five and one I'm happy I mean I've been watching them lose for 10 years well you know the the first year I did this exact job of inside sports and the Oilers pre and post game show was the year Dallas Aikens took over as head coach, and they were four fifteen and two after twenty one <laughs> games. So uh, five and one. Five, there should be a little less to complain about. I mean, here's the thing: they could lose their next fifteen games and still have a better record. Yeah, than they did exactly. So, like, I'm thrilled if they lose ten in a row. I don't care. I'm happy with the first five. <laughs> I don't think have they're going to lose. Uh, yeah, thanks for calling, Steve. We appreciate it. All right, uh, great to talk some Oilers. We obviously we got a game tomorrow. We'll touch on a couple other things that will. Uh, 
uh, about the Oilers as we move along. But i uh, got a good guest coming up here. I'll be looking forward to talking to Kent Austin, head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He's up next. This is Ryan Nugent-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Brandon Wheat Kings have jumped out to a 2-0 lead on the Edmonton Oil Kings. It's now late in the first period at Rogers Place. The shots are 11-3 Edmonton. So Brandon scoring on two of their three shots. NHL tonight, Crosby scores in his return to action, and uh, the Penguins get a 3-2 win over the Florida Panthers. 3-0, the Flames lead the Blues late in the second period. 4-1, Lightning over Maple Leafs after two. Stamkos has scored twice. What, what, uh, what were you saying? Bishop has lost a couple teeth, Matthew? Yeah, he, t- he took a shot to the mask, and apparently it knocked out his two front teeth. And he was not removed from the game? He actually went down in a heap. Dan Boyle helped him pick out his teeth, and the trainer came out. And I guess, uh, yeah, he stayed in the game. Would the concussion spotter not jump in here? You, I, maybe I, I they know. should, right? Should he? I, given what we saw last week here in Edmonton, keep an eye on that. Red Wings lead the Canes 4-2 early in the third. Sabres up 3-zip on the Flyers. Third period just started. The Wild trying to close out the Bruins 4-0 with five minutes left. Arizona has uh, rallied to tie it here against the Devils. 3-3 late in the third. Oliver Ekman-Larsen with two goals. Taylor Hall with two for New Jersey. He's up to five on the season. Stars lead the Jets 1-0 after one. Still to come, Senators, Canucks, Blue Jackets at Kings, Ducks at Sharks. And the World Series is 2-0 Cleveland in game one in the top of the fourth. Eskimos in Hamilton on Friday. We'll have it for you here on 630. Chad, pleased to welcome to the show the head coach of the Tiger Cats, Kent Austin. Kent, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing very well. It, it's great to talk to you, Kent. And before we we dive into what uh, is going to be an interesting game this weekend and an interesting uh, playoff drive here in the CFL, i, I got to ask you, a, a, uh, a well-known football field is hosting its last game this weekend, and, uh, and you were a uh, yeah. member of that home team, both as a player and a coach in your career. I mean, Taylor Field, I don't know if you have a specific story or just some general memories, but, but i got to ask you about it. Oh, I got tons of stories, as you can imagine. Uh, a lot of great memories there. A lot of great moments, uh, you know, with our team, with my teammates, and uh, just a historic place. But, you know, as as we all know, things change and things get better. And and knowing those fans the way I do out there in that community and the way they support their football team, I mean, they'll make the new stadium every bit as uh, uh, as wonderful as the previous one was. I know when I talk to players about playing in Regina, can't they often talk about the proximity of the bench to the stands? So <laughs> were they harder on you? As, were they harder on you as a rough rider or when you came in as a visitor? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was playing. <laughs> uh, listen, look, you know, as as a, a guy like like many others that are involved in this sport, I mean, you want your fans invested, right? And and with that comes both good and bad. But but at least they're invested. You'd ra- rather be that way than uh, than than complete apathy uh, with respect to the football team. Uh, and they are certainly invested there. And, and I, I have nothing but great things and great memories for for my time out there. Does the 1989 Grey Cup ring uh, get worn ever, or, or where is it? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I don't wear my. Uh, I've never worn my Grey Cup rings, actually. Believe it or not, maybe once, the once or twice on the '89 one. The other ones I've never worn. Um, just got them put away, and uh, my kids have claimed each one as each one was old enough to decide what which one they wanted to pass down as family heirlooms. And I just want to keep them very nice and and pass them on to uh, to our family. Well, that's cool. Well, you're trying to get uh, a new one this year, and uh, a lot still be to decided in the Canadian Football League. You can't look. I, I, I'm not going to claim I've watched every second of Tiger Cats football this year, but I've seen you guys play a fair bit. And, and now this is just me as an outsider, but sitting there thinking, man, this team looks good. And then other times uh, I, I look at, at yeah. Hamilton and I say, Man, where are they going? Where was the team last week or even a quarter ago that, that looked unstoppable? You're on the inside. Um, you know, how do you sum up it? And, and am I right in describing it as a little inconsistent? Well, I mean, I, I think you're touching on, on, on a valid point. You might have exaggerated it a little bit. But, <laughs> uh, but I think that's true for all teams. And uh, there are no excuses. I mean, we've had a tremendous amount of player turnover and, and different roster changes like other teams have. And uh, you know, as a staff, we need to figure out how to coach around it and create more consistency and continuity on the football field. And we work very, very hard at, at, at doing that, showing up some of our glaring mistakes on teams. We've had six block punts this year, which is unheard of. Um, but we shored that up, and our punt protection has gotten better. And so we're just we're constantly looking at each area of our football team, from a personnel to scheme to just the, the, the makeup, the ratio, and those types of things from week to week to try to put the most competitive product on the field and and give our players a chance to to play through to play through mistakes and to grow and to get better as a football football player. Hey Kent, just so you know, we in the media never exaggerate, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, point well taken. And uh, you know, I, I, you've you've been through this as a player and, and a coach. And eight, eighteen games is such a long season. Are you one of those guys yeah. that breaks it up into thirds, into threes? Do you just focus on peaking now in October, and November? How do you deal with all that? No, I, I do both, and you know, we don't really discuss it with the team because we, we're solely focused on each week, and we try not to look ahead or look behind. That's just kind of operating in in, in fear and and worry, and and we don't we don't do that. We we focus on the moment and 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 the tangible steps of of getting our team better and our individual players better. You know, as a as a coach, uh, I do break it up in thirds and and look at. Uh, are we uh, are we on a constant incline of improvement? Are we taking you know one step forward, two steps back? Are we disjointed? Those types of things, and, and constantly evaluating that because, like you just mentioned, which I think is the key, is you want to peak at the right time. Um, I've been on Great Cup teams that uh, had, according to the pundits, no chance of winning, and yet uh, two things always seemed to happen: we became healthy at the right time and we were playing our best football at the right time and uh, if you can get to the playoffs and you're, and you're, that, you're as healthy as you could possibly be and you're playing your best football for the year uh, you always have a chance Kent Austin, coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats joining us on Inside Sports you are uh, one of four CFL quarterbacks to pass for more than 6,000 yards in a season um, Mike Riley has a shot at that, though I know you're hoping he doesn't get too many gets you guys on, on Friday. Um, but th- that, that is kind of an almost mystical number in, in the CFL. Ex-quarterback looking at a current quarterback like, uh, like Riley, what, what are your impressions of the guy we have here in Edmonton? Oh, really good player. Um, he's proven that. He's a proven player. He's a proven winner. Uh, you know, it, it, it would be a, a, a great 
feat for him. Certainly a very talented uh, quarterback, talented enough to, to you know to achieve that uh, that that milestone. And um, I just <laughs> hope he doesn't hope he doesn't pad those stats against us. That's for sure. But uh, really good player. A uh, really good leader, I and mean, he has all the all the all the tangibles, at least from afar. You know, when you look at it from the outside in, sometimes it's hard to to evaluate uh, specifically if you're not coaching the guy every single day. But everything I've heard about him, uh, he's the type of guy you want to be on the center. Well, I think he only had 49 yards there in the game last year, which was <laughs> which was a bit of a funny one. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens on Friday. Ken, I just want to ask you one more, maybe kind of a a, a bigger. Uh, picture question about about where the game is not where the game is going uh-huh. but kind of the way yeah. fans watch the game and that's and that's video replay right. and as a guy hosting a talk show I get all the fans opinions and why do they do that right. why can they challenge that I, I guess it's an ongoing process but w- where's your mindset on where replay is at right now and you know are there some things yeah. we need to look at in the off season? Yeah, it's a fair question, and and you know I'm on the competition committee and the rules committee, and uh, we've been big uh, big supporters of, of video review to try to eliminate some of the on-field mistakes that that were consistently happening. Um, yeah, I got to be careful what I say because I'm a big supporter of of these initiatives and. And we're a big supporter of, of of a set of processes to get the officiating, you know, more consistent and 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 better. Uh, just like we need to get better as as coaches and and football teams. Uh, I don't believe that the rule uh, and the idea, if you will, uh, of a video review is flawed. I believe maybe the implementation and and the process surrounding. Um, those roles uh, can be improved and, be, and can, can be handled in a more consistent manner. Uh, and we're smart enough, I think, as, as a league and smart enough as, uh, as individuals to bring ideas and constructive uh, criticism and ideas to the table to get it, improve, uh, to get it improved and, and to make the game better. I think a lot of people listening are going to like that answer because I know I talk to a lot of people who just don't just feel it needs to change just just a little bit. So I'm curious to see what will happen in the off season. Well, listen, I mean, it's like anything else. When you try something new, you know, everybody expects immediate overnight um, success for the implementation of that. And 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 in reality is in a very chaotic sport that moves very, very quickly and people are adjusting to new paradigms, it takes a little bit of time. And, and I think we're smart enough to regroup, huddle back up, look at what we've done, where we've made our mistakes, how we can get the thing improved. Uh, the idea and, 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 and the rule itself, there's nothing wrong or flawed with that. Like I said, the implementation of the processing around it might be flawed, but I think those things are very correctable. Right on. Kent, I know you're busy. Obviously, you're getting ready for the Eskimos, so thanks for taking time to join us here on 630 Chet, and all the best. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Kent Austin, head coach and VP of football operations with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, Interesting stuff from Kent. Uh, Was uh, looking forward to talking to him for sure. Uh, Very opinionated guy. Obviously, he's done a really good job as a head coach in the CFL. And I like what he said there. I don't believe the idea of video review is flawed. I believe the implementation and process can be improved. And that's what I've heard a lot from talking to you guys over the summer here. Last couple of years, the CFL has increased what you can review. Is it always the most seamless process? Does sometimes it feel like it's making the game a little clunky? I I know a lot of you feel that it does. It's something they have to keep working on. And I also think... I know that 
the the CFL uh, wants to favor the offense when it comes to the rules, but I think they've gone too far with pass interference. I mean, that call on Neil King on Saturday when he's defending the pass and he reaches around the guy to knock the ball down and he kind of brushes his back going in, I think you have to let the defender do that. As long as he's not getting there really early or totally jolting the guy, I I think you have to allow the defender the chance to make a play and to check the receiver that he's covering. And and I think, you know, a little bit of hand fighting or, or a little bit of a hand on the back, as long as it's not a blatant grab or a push, and if he's there, you know, split second with the ball getting there, I think you have to give the defensive player that play sometimes. I think you have to, uh, you have to, I mean, if I'm a defensive back, I'm feeling like, can I even go for the ball and make a play? I mean, what if I brush a guy going for the ball? You feel like you're going to get flagged. I'm not saying it shouldn't be reviewed. I, I, I just think that the CFL has gone too far with pass interference. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Dave Campbell is going to touch on what's going on with the Eskimos. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Game one of the World Series, top of the fifth, Cleveland three, Cubs nothing. We have the Oilers game on 630 Chad tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show Game starts at 7.30. Capitals at Oilers. Going to be a lot of fun on Friday. We have a doubleheader for you. We'll start at 3.30 in the afternoon with the Eskimos pregame show. The game at Hamilton starts at 5. As soon as that ends, we'll move into our Oilers coverage. Oilers at Canucks, 8 o'clock face-off on Friday. And then we'll have overtime open line for the Oilers game after that. That'll be pretty cool. And, of course, Dave Campbell will head to Hamilton tomorrow morning. He's our color analyst on our Eskimos broadcast. Dave, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good. It's good to see you. You're, you're traveling the whole month. I know. It's been uh, it's been a wild month. You know, when you when I saw the schedule and everyone saw the schedule, of course, when it was released in mid-February, everyone saw, look at that, four games in a row in October on the road. Are you kidding me? Now that we're into it, it's been uh, it's been different. That's for sure. Uh, it, it all ends on uh, on uh, Friday in Hamilton with a game against the Tiger Cats, and then the Eskimos will have their final home game of the regular season, probably their final home game right. of the season, <laughs> uh, November fifth against the okay, Toronto. Okay, Argos. well, let me ask you that because the way I understand it, the chances of them finishing second are almost non-existent Pretty they're as new. small as they can be without being impossible pretty much there's a chance if there is a three-way tie at the end of the season at 10 and 8 between the eskimos the lions and the winnipeg blue bombers the eskimos have the right tiebreaker criteria that they would actually finish in second place there is still a scenario where they can finish in third place but they would have to tie the Bombers, and that means Bombers lose out, Eskimos win out. And the Lions win one game. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, and even if you tie the Lions, you, you, they, they lost the season series. So if the Eskimos lose a game, yeah. they're fourth. If Winnipeg and BC each win one game, which is very possible given who they're playing, yeah. the Eskimos are fourth. That's right. So there's, there are a lot of things that cause the Eskimos to be yeah. fourth, very few things that cause them to be. Exactly. It has to be a perfect combination for them to finish second. So the simple okay. scenario on the weekend, a Winnipeg win over the Red Blacks or an Eskimos loss to the Cats, that officially will uh, push the Eskimos into the Eastern crossover. Okay, but for Hamilton... 
Hamilton's playing a home game, yeah. but they're trying to, they're still playing for a bye. That's right. Because okay. they have one, they're, they, they're behind the Red Blacks for one point in the lowly East Division uh, ah. because of their overtime win last week against the Red Blacks in Ottawa. So they have a lot to play for this weekend. Do the Eskimos have as much to play for? Probably not, but I think because they play first in the week, um, I think they can put the pressure on the Lions and the Bombers just a little bit. You win that game, mm-hmm. the Western playoff hopes still are alive. Not very, you know, not very much alive, but they're still there. And you put the pressure on the Bombers to beat the Red Blacks, and you put the pressure on the Lions, um, or sorry, for the Red Blacks to beat the Bombers and the Riders at home, final game at Mosaic. So they're probably going to be fired up uh, and put the pressure on the Lions. Uh, to see if they can beat the Riders. So so if the Eskimos win, folks, you're cheering for the Red Blacks, you're cheering for the Riders. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're going, no, no, I want one of them to win because well, I think the East is a yeah. is an easier road. So go Bombers or go Lions. All right. Uh, injuries for the Eskimos. I know a couple key guys, uh, Washington on the O-line and Thompson mm-hmm. in the defensive backfield didn't play. Watkins left the game injured. What That's are we right. looking at for this Friday? Well, um, I would suspect all three of those individuals will not play. Okay. Uh, because they were not present in practice today, and they only have two practice days, uh, the final day being tomorrow. Uh, so I would think uh, Joel Figueroa is going to have a second straight start at left tackle. I thought he looked, I thought he didn't look out of place at all. Didn't think the O-line was much of an issue in that game. There was just the issue of, you know, that secondary and that front seven really caused the Eskimos fits, and mm-hmm. there wasn't much room for Mike Riley to get things done downfield. Uh, so Brandon Thompson will remain out, and looks like Pat Watkins will remain out. So that means Gary Peters at the uh, short side corner, and then you got uh, uh, Tyler Thornton likely at the wide side half position. That's what they were using against the Lions. Uh, today, a uh, tough day for Nate Kuhorn, who for the second time in the season suffered an injury in practice, suffered an injury uh, in the summer, suffered a concussion. Uh, missed a couple of games. Uh, he suffered, looked like a right arm or shoulder injury. There was a pass uh, over the middle, and he made contact with uh, Neil King, uh, the safety, and he went down, and he was down for quite a while. So he was able to walk off under his own power. So I would expect Nate Kuhorn would not play. Um, that's not official yet. And J.C. Sherritt and Darius Bowman didn't practice. Now, I would suspect, my guess is it's maintenance, but... Uh, We'll know for sure on Thursday. Thursday morning will be very interesting to see how the roster looks and how their depth chart works. Okay. The Eskimos have, their last 12 games have gone, sorry, their their last 12 games before the <laughs> loss to BC had well, gone lose four? three, lose three, oh, win yeah. three, lose three, win three. I mean, a lot, of people, are, going, a lot right? of people are saying lose these last three games and then win three <laughs> playoff games. I don't, I don't think it's quite that simple. But, I mean, they're they're in this scenario here where, okay, now it's coming back off a loss again. Yeah, and, and they have to respond well after this loss last week on Saturday. And I talked to uh, Ed Coach Jason Moss. I talked to Justin Sorensen about, you know, it's a loss, yes, but you can't treat it as, oh, this was a terrible loss because this is a different football team than the first 12 games of the season. They said, absolutely. Um, they're not the same team they were in the first 12 games. But um, the task will not be easy, especially if Zach Caleros is at quarterback. And I'm sure he's salivating over a make-work secondary that the Eskimos have. who They don't have a lot of veteran flavor to it. Um, so it's not going to be an easy game for sure. But I think it's one of those games, again, where it could be a high-scoring affair. 
And uh, the Eskimos just have to find a way to get things done downfield. And, and, and they scored points in the second half. They were very good uh, in the second half, scoring 20 points. Weren't good in the first half, scoring five against the Lions. Um, so this will be a very interesting matchup to see uh, at, at that stadium. That can be very windy at times. Wind's not supposed to be a huge factor as we speak tonight. Right. Things could change. Um, and remember, Mike Riley had a 49-yard passing game, right. a game where the Eskimos <laughs> won uh, last September. That game, Zach Caleros uh, was injured. So uh, for both teams, I think there's a lot riding on this game. And, yes, they could face each other in a couple weeks' time in the playoffs. So a lot of, uh, you know, gamesmanship, I think, probably happens in, the, in this game a bit. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.